Hey, welcome to the One Life Podcast. We talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one life. I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast, Sarah Inman, and I'm joined as always by co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brent Nicholson. What's up, Brent? How's it going, Sarah? You feeling pretty mellow? Feeling right super mellow yeah, with okay. this music. Austin picked it, so. In the flow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Setting us up for kinda, serious conversation. Talking about neighborhoods, and we wanted to be super yeah. chill. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sounded the, fun. Those two go together, yeah. neighborhoods and hardly chill, mellow. <laughs> um, but no, here recently we actually talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast, and we talked about it going into and a little bit after uh, something called Love Your Neighbor Day that Community One set up and put on and connected with some other organizations in the community, some other churches, and One Life was a part of that. And we wanted to talk a little bit more about that, but ultimately just talk about kind of the importance of neighborhood work, neighborhood revitalization, talk a bit more about Community One, which Austin's been a part of for five years. Almost five years. Wow. That's great. Has been that long. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. And just learn a little bit more and things that we can talk about as a church community, why those things are important. So whether you're a part of uh, One Life Church, you live in the Evansville-Henderson area, or if you live anywhere, something that's important everywhere you are. So I think it's an important conversation. All right. We're going to have it. And what I'm hoping that people can take away from it is, is we encourage people to go and help on Love Your Neighbor Day. And, and uh, we're renovating, we're helping renovate three homes, and that's ongoing work throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but there's a whole, whole, whole lot of back work that goes, um, that that is, those three houses, for instance, are a part of a much, much larger picture. And so that's what we want to, uh, hopefully, one of the takeaways, anybody listening would you know, think, oh, okay, I understand a lot more about what's going on and what the, how all that fits into everything and what Community One's doing. So yeah. now we got to figure out where to start. Yeah, so. well, I was going to say it's always important. I think people might know Austin. He's been on the podcast a few times, many times. Yeah, I might still hold the record. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know oh, who that's else true. would be that's on. that's right. For guests. I don't know who Yeah, is. of course. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like minor co-host at this point <laughs> like after so many times no although but, i've noticed the gaps are getting longer so. <laughs> well that's true <laughs> well the last like four episodes were just brett and i so <laughs> we're like we had somebody else in here um and we wanted to talk about this so and we had asked andy miles to join us as well who what's andy's title again she's a mobilization director mobilization director so she was a big part of making love your neighbor day happen yeah absolutely um and so we wanted to talk to her but she's on vacation this week so timing didn't work out and uh so anyway can you tell us just a little bit if, if for anyone um, doesn't isn't familiar with Community One, tell us about Community One. Yeah, Community One, uh, we say that we help neighbors love neighbors. So uh, we had started as a, a home repair platform. So anyone who in the community who had a need uh, for getting basic home repair projects done and may not be able to because of physical or financial hardship, um, they could post the project on the website and then people from the community, especially the faith community, could uh, adopt that project and go do it. It's just a way to tangibly love your neighbor, physical expression of loving their neighbor. And But we also added whole house rehabs to the mix along the way. And One Life has always been part a partner with Community One, and I helped mobilize small groups into that ministry. Um, but somewhere along the way, Community One became known as like a housing organization. Mm-hmm. And so over the COVID, when we had all had a chance to kind of breathe and rethink and reevaluate uh, our, our boss and, and team, we uh, kind of rebranded around the original mission, which was just simply to help neighbors love neighbors. Eric, uh, our founder, had been outreach pastor at Crossroads, and he had a desire, as he says it, to help the people of God get on the mission of God. 
And that was really the core of who we wanted to be as an organization. And that was also a core, like what I consider to be my personal calling, which is why even when I was on staff here at One Life, a lot of my efforts were uh, to do that exact thing, help our small group ministries be more missional, um, helping our church as an organization be more missional. And so it was kind of like a seamless transition, whereas before I was working within the church, helping mobilize Christians into restorative ministries. Uh, now I get to be on the other side in the neighborhood, building opportunities for Christians every day to step into that work. Now, you mentioned the whole house thing, yeah. uh, and, and so that's what, what's going on now, and I know you're, you're getting outside of housing because you became known as a housing organization. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't really the goal. On the other hand, I had someone explain the whole house renovation thing to to me, and I didn't follow it as well as I should have. So can you, can you repeat kind of exactly yeah. what that looks like and how it functions? Yeah. So in in neighborhoods, and maybe we'll talk about this more later, but neighbor neighborhoods that have experienced decades of disinvestment, one of the things that are are full of, one of the things full of these neighborhoods are houses that have been run down. Uh, they're dilapidated, abandoned. And so Community One goes in, purchases these homes, hopefully very cheaply, and then we mobilize people from the community, especially churches in the faith community, to bring restoration to these homes. And so it really is an engagement platform for Christians to express their faith through that one particular way, where they can go in and take a dilapidated, abandoned house and turn it into a house that's new and restored, and most importantly, that a family or a or or a neighbor gets to live and thrive in uh, at the end of that process. So it's all done, like 90% of it done by uh, volunteers and by people like one-lifers that step into that. Into and there was some work. kind of part of it, the, the part that I, I wish I remembered better, was who can purchase the house. I mean, it, it, there was a little bit of, there were some qualifications to yeah. make sure that it's going to the larger picture of the neighborhood yeah. development. Yeah, so affordable housing is actually a crisis, not just in, in uh, Evansville, but across the nation. And so nice Good, decent, affordable housing for people of lower income is, uh, there, there's not much housing stock available. And so that's called, uh, what they, what you're re- referencing is someone that takes a community one home has to be 80% AMI, which stands for 80% uh, median income. So they have to make 80% of what Evansville's area median, median income, which is like 42,000, I think, for a single and then like 58 for a, um, uh, family. Oh. So 80% of those numbers, those are who are eligible. Uh, and they work, we work with banking partners, uh, to, oh, okay. to make yeah. sure those loans are secured, uh, so that they can qualify and get into those homes. Uh, and I think one thing I wanted to jump into, it's a little bit of a different conversation, but I think it gets into more of the why this is important and why we want to talk about it today. But when you were, I remember when you were first like talking about this job, like going to work at community one and you were just like, this is my dream job. Mm. Can you tell me why? I can. Phew. So it might take a while. Well, so that's what interject, we the whole uh, time yeah, to, to shut me down. I try to be concise, but so uh, I've, I've shared this on the on this podcast before. But um, I got my first taste of neighborhood work through One Life. Uh, there was a call, volunteer call uh, for when we were in Henderson. We were kicking off a neighborhood initiative in the East End. And uh, there was an announcement from the stage on Sunday. I said, anyone who wants to uh, go knock on doors and listen to neighbors in the East End, um, come Saturday. We'll do a quick training about how to listen to neighbors, uh, and then we'll send you out, and we'll actually do it. 
And so I responded because I was, I, it, it wasn't like I knew anything about neighborhood work or neighborhood revitalization or assets based community development. I didn't know anything about that, but I did know that when I followed Jesus through the gospels, he was always going to where people were and especially marginalized neighbors, just people who had been pushed to the edges of society for any number of, of reasons that we could explore. But, uh, Jesus went, entered into their space and then brought physical, spiritual restoration to their lives, and then integrated them back into the faith community. Uh, and so I just was like, oh, man, that sounds like something exactly like Jesus would do, and I want to follow him in that. And so that first day, knocking on those doors, I think I talked to like six neighbors in the East End, and, and we collected what we called SWOT analysis. So it's just asking neighbors what they considered the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the neighborhood were. And we collected that data, and then we came to a, a community visioning session in, in South Heights in their gym. And One Life participated in that, and we mobilized people into that, and we supported that financially and otherwise. Um, and, and we just listened again to a community, a gathering of neighbors, say what their vision for change was. And then after we had collected, collected and published that vision for change, then we went back and started doing the hard work of seeing that vision actually become a reality. And that process, there's a lot more to it, but that simple process of listening and then aligning behind a uh, voice of marginalized neighbors and then acting and, and empowering, especially empowering the neighbors to act themselves, I just was like, this is the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. This is what I saw in the life of Jesus. And so it was a, it was a more uh, practical expression for me to join with Jesus in his restorative work in our community. And so the idea to get to do that every day and meet neighbors every day and talk and work and bring restoration to these broken, forgotten uh, places, disinvested areas. It was just, yeah, it was a dream come true or a perfect uh, way for me to go about my daily work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what does life look like now? So you've, you've entered into community one and it's, it's rebranded and all that, but what does life look like for you and how does now that you do know a lot more about neighborhood Mm -hmm. development and all those kinds of things, what does that look like? Yeah, so day to day it looks completely different. <laughs> so one day we may pop up in the neighborhood and just meet neighbors. The other the other day I could be next day I could be uh working at a local church partner helping mobilize them into the work and trying to find easy on-ramps for their congregation or I could be in the mayor's office uh talking about, you know, transformational projects uh in the neighborhood. So that's one of the things I really like about the job as well because it it varies and is uh very um different every day and expresses itself different every day. But the core of the work uh is meeting neighbors. So week to week, maybe not day to day, but definitely every week on the ground in the neighborhood working alongside neighbors, meeting more neighbors, uh, just trying to build trust and relationships with neighbors because that's very difficult uh, to do because these stranger uh, coming in, uh, they don't know me, they don't know Community One, they don't know that they may not know their neighbors, they may not know that there's a neighborhood initiative going on. <laughs> so just really trying to meet no- more neighbors and move them towards deeper engagement while at the same time building relationships with stakeholders uh, in the community, and that can be anyone from like a church uh, to a housing organization like Habitat 
or like uh, Hope that does financial literacy or the GAIN initiative at Evansville Christian Life Center, just trying to create those bridges for neighbors that may not know that these assets and resources exist in their community and they're actually for them. So that's what it probably looks like day to day. And we also have been partnering with Dream Center in Jacobsville uh, and New Works in the East End in the last year uh, to revive those neighborhood initiatives too. So we've been coaching those two neighborhood-based organizations in those other neighborhoods as well as leading the initiative in TP Park. When you Now that you've done a lot of that, what are some things that you've discovered about neighbors and what they think about their neighborhood and especially in these kinds of neighborhoods that you're, you're dealing with and trying to uh, raise up? What, what are some key learnings that maybe even surprise you? Oh, goodness. Uh, there's so many. Um, number one is that it takes time. It takes a long time uh, to build trust with neighbors. Um, a lot of the neighbors in these neighborhoods have experienced, like I said, long periods of disinvestment, maybe, maybe even systemic issues, inju- systemic injustices. And there's just a lot of distrust. A lot of times people will come in, even well-intentioned, and they'll come into the neighborhood and maybe over-promise and under-deliver. Mm. Um, or um, neighbors will see things like $2.8 million to the GERF fund for COVID relief, or Evansville's getting $55 million through this or whatever. And, and one of the things that these neighbors will say, oh, that doesn't matter, we'll never see a penny of that. Mm. So there's this deep kind of distrust through lived experience, um, maybe not misplaced trust, that... The, the, the initiatives and the funds and the organizations that say that they're for neighbors, uh, maybe don't, uh, actually follow through on that and they don't f- see tangible experience of that. And so the, the timelines of trust is, is, a, is a big one. But I've also had a couple major paradigm shifts in, in how I've thought about the neighborhood work. So the first being, I originally thought that neighborhood revitalization was like the mission field. Um, you're going there to bring, to join with God in his mission. And that's true, but I was thinking more of like towards salvation or towards, um, making sure that they hear the gospel. Well, one of the things that we got back on our early, uh, surveys in the neighborhood is that 71% of neighbors in TP Park are self-professing Christians. In fact, 55% have a daily, uh, relationship, whether through prayer or Bible reading with, with God. And that might be better than the statistics here at One Life for all I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good That's point. And so when we think we got to expand what we, what I needed to expand what I think thought about outreach, um, being, Okay, these are these may be neighbors that have deep needs, but there are also our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, when I think about uh, getting on mission and being restorers, uh, ministers of reconciliation in our community, some of it is repositioning how I think that these these aren't people that need help. They're, these are my brothers and sisters. We're in Christ together. We're in the same family. And so that really brings a new light in my mind to John 17 when it talks about you will be one. They'll know me through through your unity. Um, and so if we can love our marginalized neighbors that are our brothers and sisters and love them well and bring holistic restoration to broken places, then I think the world would have to see that. I think that's the promise of John 17, that they will see that. And then the second one was changing the narrative. So um, just a couple examples from that, too. So 
we often talk about the limitations of these neighborhoods, especially TP Park is the highest poverty rate in the city at seven, 37%. And so we often talk and start the narrative there, but that means 63% of the neighbors, which is actually a pretty high majority, are not in poverty. Hmm. And so, yes, there is significant issues that we need to address, but starting the narrative at a place of strength and building on assets there in the community would go a long way in changing the narratives that neighbors tell about themselves and that tell about, uh, that the wider community tells about the neighborhood. And I even think about things like violence. So there is occasionally gun violence in our neighborhood. Uh, I moved in the neighborhood three years ago and I have to admit that I've, I have heard more gunshots, uh, in the last three years than I had my entire life. Uh, and so that can be the, the leading narrative. But in the past month, maybe if there's one act of violence, that's the one we talk about. But there was probably thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of acts of love and compassion that happened every day between neighbors. And we don't tell that side of the story. And so thinking about how we can start telling the positive stories, because I really believe that the only way to overcome evil is good. Scripture tells us that. And so if we can fill up these stories in these neighborhoods and these our own personal narratives with the good news— that is happening every day, then I think that could also go a long way uh, to, to making systemic change happen in, in those areas. I feel like we can almost end right there. This is really good. <laughs> That's right. <Ta-da. laughs> but there's so many more, too. Like the, yeah. I learn so much every day. Well, and I think what's interesting, and if we kind of flip that into like getting some of the backstory and, and the passion for you personally, but also... I know Community One as a team is just very passionate about the work that, that's happening and that you guys get to continue to be a part of and the people specifically that you get to know. Like this is not something that you just – it's a job, but it's also something that you're just passionate about being a part of. When you think about, you know, like One Life, for example, jumping in on a Love Your Neighbor Day and then trying to do some serve days, how do you – how do we talk about that? And maybe this is something, Brett, you can answer too or have some feedback in. But how do we talk about that when people jump into projects? Because we had a, a pretty – good number of people show up for like love your neighbor day. Mm-hmm. And then we have people say, I want to be a part of building a great city. And then usually what happens, you see less and less people show up over the next, you know, four or five times that we have a day. Maybe not, but usually that's the, the case. How do you talk to people about like when they want to get involved, they want to do things like as they're really excited at one point, And then we do like one big day. What, what about after that? Yeah. Do you want me to go? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I assumed you would lead and I would no, yeah. sprinkle a little yeah. on, on whatever you came up with. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that is a difficult question to ask because I believe in, especially with marginalized neighbors, uh, popping in and popping out does come with some some dangers. Um, and I don't think that that's the end goal. Uh, for anyone, for One Life, uh, for for Community One. That's not what we want to see. Uh, however, if I wasn't given the opportunity at an all-call volunteer session, I may never have stepped into that work. So there, there is an importance of kind of these big mobilization service day opportunities, stepping into the neighborhood for the first time. But I would say my only encouragement would be if you are called to this sort of work, because when I think sometimes when we think about missionary work here locally, we only think about uh, work to those experiencing poverty. And that is not the case. Like uh, God is concerned about every aspect uh, of ministry in our city. And that's one of the things that drew me to the larger city movement 
conversation that we had all the way back uh, in the early days of One Life because the importance of the, a Christian presence in art and government and the business world, those are just as mm-hmm. equally important. Uh, but collectively, I do think there's always been a call as the people of God uh, to be restorers of the marginalized because I don't think the world, if you will, other worldviews have a sustaining effort, a foundational effort for doing that, that our, those neighbors are created in the image of God and that they are to be activated into the mission of God. And so I do think that the church as a collective has a responsibility to marginalize neighbors, but individuals may not. So that's, I think, an important starting point. Uh, but then my encouragement would just be to start, just take these opportunities like the, the Saturday serve days, like love your neighbor days to begin to step into the neighborhood and experience it. But look towards if this is work that you feel called to and continue, want to continue to do, then keep uh, showing up and keep seeing where you can start to build relationships with neighbors. So my boss, uh, Eric, always um, ch- has been challenging me for all these years to create more and easier and better on-ramps for people, especially of the faith community, to engage in the work. And that's been difficult to me because I'm like, well, just show up for movie night. Just show up to movie night. Just hang out with neighbors. Come to a neighborhood association meeting. Just show up. Just You don't have to do anything. Just mm-hmm. be there. Be present. Talk to neighbors, you know, just like you do at any social event. But that's not how our society and even our churches uh, have um, normally mobilized people. Uh, we've kind of custom tailored these perfectly curated serving experiences for them. And so they like to show up from 10 to 11 and serve in this role and this capacity and do this task. And that's easier. And again, I want to say that's okay. But that's sure. the beginning of a journey. Just like when we serve on our teams here at One Life, like we, you serve on the team and you may begin doing a task or fulfilling a function, but the goal is to serve as a part of a team where you begin to build relationships with people, you begin to know their story, you start ex- having questions of faith with them regularly, and that becomes what we say is discipleship. <laughs> so it's the same exact thing, just serving in a different context in the neighborhood. Please show up to these uh, s- second Saturdays. Uh, I think that's right. The Saturday serve days. I know it's on Saturday. Uh, might be second. I think uh, it's close to second Saturday. Sometimes third Saturday. Just, sometimes yeah. Follow one life church. On, on when holidays fall. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of little jumping around. But if you want to continue to engage in this like holistic restorative work with neighbors on the ground in these disinvested areas, then there is a journey that you can go on to start to build relationships and go deeper into the work um, and do discipleship uh, on the ground with people um, instead of just performing a task. So I would say it's a combination. It's not either or it's both and, and keeping in mind kind of that end goal of moving towards relationships. Yeah. It it strikes me. It's, it's very similar in my mind to going on a mission trip. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've said ever since I've did my first one, I believe every single Christian adult ought to go on a third world mission trip or, or a, not even third world, just a, um, uh, a different culture. Just go be there. And, and what happens is because I know that that's going to shake up your mind. It's going to do there. It is going to be structured. It's going to be go here, do this, see these things, but it will expose you to different things like you've never seen before and get you to think thoughts you've never thought before. And that can happen if you go into some of these neighborhoods and just experience one of these things. Your, your world is pretty small, probably like mine is. I mean, I have, you know, I have work. I have my, my home. 
and I go back and forth between the two, and that's yeah. that it can easily be that way. But if I force myself out, even if it's at a larger thing like this, uh, stepping into that will at least broaden my mind. And what happened, I saw this over and over and over and over again in third world mission kind of work and cross-cultural missions, that there's always a percentage of people it becomes truly life revolutionary uh, yeah. and they stay in there. I know people to this day that started it 20 years ago and are still doing things and very involved and cared very deeply and never, and many of them will tell me I you could have never convinced me in a million years that I would be doing things like I am now. So sometimes it's a matter of just stepping in. It's providing those step in places yeah. and, and people will that they'll see things and that part you can't control. And then other people, they just kind of go, okay, that was neat. And they go on with their lives and they go to something else. Like you said, whatever your calling happens to be, and they'll gravitate more towards a business environment or a artistic environment or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be these things per se, but uh, it's great to step in and let yourself experience that stuff. Yeah. Also the importance of, of the collective church, like when you give to one life, you are as a, as a partner, to uh, Community One, One Life as a church, as an organization, as a collective, as the assembly supports the neighborhood work. And so even if you aren't personally called individually uh, to enter that, maybe you are, you know, business, uh, art, you know, you're, you're getting into a different channel of culture, um, you are, as a body of Christ, serving uh, the, the mar- our marginalized neighbors as a collective body of one life. And so that's a really important thing to do to remember as well. And there's one more thing I wanted to jump on that you said is that uh, when, when people do those um, global mission trips, short-term mission trips, in- inevitably God does a work in them. Yes. You think that you're going to do work for God, and then God does a work in you uh, every single time. And that is also one of the things that's important about all Christian service, is that it's not a, a step, t- it's not only a step towards Christian maturity, like once I'm to this point, I will serve the Lord. It's that you serve the Lord, and then He does a work in you and yeah. forms you into the likeness of Christ through that service. So don't wait until you're uh, perfectly uh, good to go, and then you can start serving, because that day will never come. Right. <laughs> and and you're missing out on what God wants to do and work in your life through uh, stepping into this ministry. Yeah, and I, I think as you're... You guys both said all the things I was hoping that would come up, you know, yes. in, in those conversations. Because I think what I want people to hear is that, hey, it's okay if you show up the one time. That's great. That's amazing that you were still there. But I, even when I was talking to Andy before uh, Love Your Neighbor to Happen, she was like, what am I going to do? There's like 200 people signed <laughs> up. What are we going to do with all these people? I'm like, that's amazing. Because the goal, right, is to, to introduce people to what this could look like. And maybe 15 of them get really invested in that. That's incredible. You know, maybe it's, you know, 75, I don't know, but like maybe it's one, but the idea of of inviting people into a space to experience it, but also like you said, and experiencing it together. I met a couple people that I didn't know before at Love Your Neighbor Day and some were from other churches. Um, I really, I told told you this, I really, I think I told you this. I know I told Andy, I really enjoyed because we went to the Bedford Collab and Merrick like did like a walking tour for us and just kind of told us about different areas of the city that other organizations have been a part of um, helping just invest in. And it was just like, it was really nice to have someone just walk through and give me some, just more information about the area we're walking in. So um, there's just a lot of people that really care and want to be a part of inviting other people 
into just getting to know people as well. So uh, that's always been Austin. That's always been, I remember uh, 4th of July, Austin would always be like, why are we doing these things at churches? Let's just go out and, <laughs> and let's just go, you know, be in the city, be in the community. And I'm like, it's still kind of the same idea of like, let's just go in and, and, and be there. So show up. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other questions that would be really beneficial as we well, wrap up. Well, a question up. I have to, to kind of help people to see, I know that there's a larger strategic plan for like a way, mm-hmm. better way of putting it to, okay, we're doing the house renovations. We're going to disinvested neighborhoods and there's a number of activities going on. We're trying to coordinate, but can you paint kind of a picture of the, like the end goal, but the process of getting there, uh, you know, because it's, it can be reduced too easily. Okay. We're fixing up these houses. Okay. Yeah. We're giving clothes over here or, and it all looks disjointed from one another. But I know that you guys, and especially in your work, it's neighborhood development work. It's right. not just neighborhood charity work, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a very important distinction to make. Uh, we're not doing a rescue effort. We're doing something that's helping just raise the, uh, the quality of life for of the people that we love. So, yeah. so what does that look like? Just kind of, in a in some kind of larger strategic blocks. Yeah. So we do follow that listen align act measure yeah. kind of sh- you know shorthand for that process. Uh, so way back in 2017 we did that initial listening to the neighborhood and we documented uh all, all their hopes and and dreams for their community and published that in what's called a quality of life plan. And so that has Six priority areas with 90 strategic action goals. And so. 90? 90. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, exactly. So when you start talking about assets based community development, quality of life plans, 90 strategic action goals, you're not the only one whose eyes kind of drift off and, uh, it's like, whoa, uh, neighbors themselves are like, this is a little much. Uh, so we, in 2019 to kind of pivot, we worked with neighborhood leadership team, eight individuals, uh, to take that, all that verbiage and all that data and simplify it into something called love your neighborhood. And it's the love your neighborhood vision for change. Cause we felt like that language was more accessible. Uh, and it's obviously motivated for us at community one and through churches from the great commandment. Um, and so we, we found that this is the third neighborhood that I've participated in and, and that we tried to bucket into three more simplified versions of what every neighbor has always cared about every time we've asked them. And so we've done livability, which would include like housing, parks, green spaces, food, things like that. Livability, youth and lifelong learning, because people always wants the best for the next generation and then neighboring and community. And that also is an acronym of LYN, which is love your neighborhood. So that, that fits. Oh, for, check fits, that out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm very, glad we surfaced very that. Nice. That was, that yeah. was worth the admission price right there. That's great. <laughs> that was a stroke of genius yeah. uh, from our, my coworker, Courtney. Um, so under each one of those three uh, areas that neighbors everywhere care about, um, we identified out of those 90 strategic action, action goals, 15 projects, five in each bucket that neighbors, the neighborhood leadership team said, we want to focus on these in the next two to three years. If we put priority on any one, that's not that the other ones go away, but we really want to uh, focus on these sorts of things. And so we have 15 kind of catalytic projects in three, in those three areas that we're actively working on all the time. And it does include things like 
art and housing and youth activities for kids. It's things that all of us want in our, in our life. And so when you said right. raising the quality of life, that's exactly what we aim to do. And, and we're empowering and resourcing neighbors to be the change that they want to see. Uh, I know that I've said this quote on here before, uh, but it's, I just repeat it a lot lately. Uh, it says that when you, when change is done to you, it's experienced as violence. But when you're the agent of change, it's experienced as liberation. And so if change is done to you, it's experienced as violence. As if it's, um, if you're the agent of change, it's experienced as liberation or freedom. And so we kind of, I live by that mantra in the neighborhood work because it would be really easy with our connections and resources, uh, and people that I know throughout the city to come and do change to neighbors, even if it's the thing that they said they wanted. Yeah. But if they're not the change agents themselves, then even though they're, it's something that they've voiced, they may not experience it as the freedom and, and raising of quality of life that they, had actually voiced. And so everything that we do is at least in partnership with neighbors. So even when, uh, one lifers come to the, the 1200 block of South Kentucky and neighbors may not be there physically, we're building relationships all the time with neighbors around us. And we have collected their voice and they've spoken and said that they would like to see more good affordable housing coming and they've invited housing organizations and partners to come in and participate in that. And so you are partnering with neighbors, whether you know it or not, when you're entering into a whole house rehab, uh, when you're participating in cleaning up in the park, when you're g- coming alongside an organization like Keep Evansville Beautiful, who is at Love Your Neighbor Day and you're doing trash pickup in the neighborhood, it may seem like a singular task. But neighbors have spoken, they've participated in cleanups, they've invited community partners to come in and help them with that. And so it truly is partnering with neighbors so that they can experience uh, a freedom and liberation from their current state of, of lived experience. Yeah, and that's and that's the key that I, I, I hope everybody understands is that it's part of a larger picture and a much larger strategy is going on all the time. And I think it is important to note that we're not coming in as invaders yeah. to, to, you know, pick up trash and then leave like, or like, cause it can almost be like an insult. Hey, you need to clean up your neighborhood. We're here to do it kind of thing. These, these are the things that people have wanted. They've asked for and, and love for neighbors. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was fascinating that the three things, everybody wants the same thing. They want mm-hmm. livability. They want, you know, development and education for the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating and, and oh, yeah. very true. I mean, all of us care about our kids and our grandkids mm-hmm. more than we care about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then David the third neighboring and community, a, yeah, neighboring community, yeah, just, we just a want sense to be of belonging, yeah, a sense yeah. of belonging yeah. in the neighborhood, and it's a cool place to be, and all that. So it's a universal, and that's what you're giving when you're going to work on one of those houses or pick up trash or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, and 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 thinking of it as ministry, just for those of us here in in the church. Um, it, it, so, so the, the great commandment, uh, actually love your neighbor as yourself is, is the second part actually of the great commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so when we think about that, the heart, mind, soul, and strength is just the, the, uh, way to say all of our being, the wholeness of our, of our being. Uh, those are the, the different parts. Um, and so all of the things that we're doing in the neighborhood, 
is bringing restoration either to to the heart, mind, soul, strength, the physical, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional life of neighbors. And so when we do the when we're in in doing these projects or or taking on these initiatives, we are actually living out the great commandment of removing barriers for people, uh, marginalized neighbors to bring restoration in all of their beings so that they can love God. <laughs> that That is the ministry. And uh, what I've been trying to help uh, Christians understand is it's not, it's not, it's not community work. It's not community service. It's not this uh, do-goodism that's, you know, kind of part of American culture. It is ministry and it's, rest- it's the restorative ministry of God. Right. When you think about, um, you know, kind of when you're, Picturing One Life Church, you know, we're in this process and you're thinking about not just building a great church, building a great city. I would say these are kinds of things you'd hope to see. And it's really unique and interesting to think that Austin was part of, you know, laying the groundwork for our West Side and being a part of now doing that even outside. And it's like a thing to celebrate, I think. I don't know. Not that it's like the work is done by any means, but mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about like all the people that have come into One Life and want to be a part of that. We see more and more people wanting to, to get involved and we're still here. You know, we're still doing these things. Absolutely. I mean, and, and so many people resonated so deeply with that, you know, don't just build a great church, build a great city thing. And, and I've watched people activated in that over and over and, and it's sustained. I mean, we, we started talking about that when the miserable city survey came out. I remember mm-hmm. that was kind of the catalyzing thing, which was, you know, 10 plus years ago. And, uh, and it's still a live conversation. It wasn't just flash in the pan thing. So that's, that's great. And yeah, Austin's a symbol of that because he's already been doing it for five years for community. Well, and I and give all the that. credit to, to One Life Church and the discipleship of me personally because uh, while I did want to follow Jesus onto the missional frontier, I didn't know what that looked like. And so it was actually all the way back, even before the Miserable City uh, survey oh, came really? out. Okay. All the way back, yeah, because that w- knocking doors on the East End was even before that. And that's was you, really? okay. you yeah. guys and the core team in Henderson went and listened uh, to the city and identified the East End as a ministry. And it's, it's so cool to see that, yeah, it lulled and there's stops and starts and fits and, and all that, but it still continues to this day. Mm-hmm. And the legacy of that neighborhood work still is continuing to where we're actually leading co, you know, helping a love your neighborhood initiative in the East End. They've done their year of listening. So it's wrapping up now. And so they've listened and built relationships with neighbors in the East End for a whole year. Uh, shout out to, uh, my friend and, uh, East End coordinator, uh, Miyoshi Holloway, who works at New Works, which is a, uh, or, uh, community development corporation started, Christian community development corporation started by Robbie Mills, who's a one lifer. And, uh, that work is, is, is funded and sustained and enacted. In fact, at Love Your Neighbor Day, I think they called it City Serve, which that's another podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> they mobilized people to do door knocking again. So there I was, you know, doing work in TV Park, hearing, getting pictures from Bob and seeing, uh, getting updates from Miyoshi where they collected 34 SWOT analysis to kind of complete wow. that year of listening. Uh, so it was just like a full circle type of, type of moment for me personally uh, to see that work continue. And so they'll be publishing their Love Your Neighborhood Vision of Change next year uh, as they wrap up this year of listening. And and they'll start to see quality of life projects and initiatives get underway there in the East End starting next year. Super cool. Austin, thank you for what you do Uh, and the whole Community One team and um, and even 
uh, the people you just mentioned as well, the Miyoshi and, and working on Henderson. I think just one of those things that we just want to continue to be supporting and supportive of people who are doing that work because I know it's something that um, can be really energizing, but it probably can be a tough tough every once in a while as well so um yeah. as all work is as all work is absolutely but community one.org <laughs> community, that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> community the number one.org uh, of the website if you want to find out more about community one um and again follow one life on facebook um check out the website for uh, the upcoming um serve sit, saturday serve days saturday serve, serve days yeah and I, th- I would assume you could probably if you wanted to just as a solo act could go down there most saturdays and there would be yeah. work going on almost that's, every that's, saturday that's, and yeah, Wednesday. That's the congregation. yeah that's that's when the congregations were kind of focused in and we did we had a pretty good group the second time around and yeah it's good stuff i saw you're out there you posted a picture I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was out there and they bought too many donuts. So I got to <laughs> take some donuts home and nice. continue the cleanup work. It was fun. I mean, it's, you know, doing that stuff on your own wouldn't be a lot of fun, but doing it with people that are down there and just enjoying one another and relationship together and stuff. It was great. We had a blast. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Oh, gosh. Put me on the spot. You got two minutes and 30 seconds till the song runs out. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I, I would just say we've tried to help people in the neighborhood work because it's not as tangible uh as some of the other things or it's not as maybe you know it is as tangible it's maybe not as linear or as um easy to step into the work and so we've tried to quantify it into what we've just called neighborhood leader neighborhood partner and neighborhood uh friend so if if you want to be a friend of the neighborhood, do things like serve days, share things that you see on community community one's website, some of our stories in the neighborhood that uh, guys like Weatherly and Bernard, uh, Thomas have, have participated on. Um, but then, if you're ready to do work with neighbors, uh, we can have a meeting and a follow up and, and help you connect to the ongoing work. And then, if you want to lead, if you want to see this as your primary expression of ministry, I always say, if I had twenty committed. Christians that this was their ministry that they identified as a thing they wanted to do that we could change the neighborhood. So, uh, yeah, just connect with us and, and go on that journey. And, uh, we would love to help you along that path. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Austin. So I fun to hang out. It is. Brett, it's good to see you. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> see you guys next time. <laughs>